God is on the move. He's doing something at large in the body. I don't care what season you find yourself in. God is still faithful. He has always been faithful. He's never not going to be faithful. And I want to encourage you to to continue to take that posture tonight in your walk, no matter what it looks like. And I know some of y'all are crawling. Some of y'all are trying to just get back up. But you can do it. You can do it. One of the things that you realize about Jesus is that if you're ever looking for motivation, all you have to do is just look at the cross. Motivated by love to do what he came here to do so that you could be free. And so that you can get back up every single day and call him faithful. I don't care what the day looks like. I don't care what happened in the day. But God is faithful to complete his work. And then at the end, you win. If you keep getting back up. If you don't, you lose. And the enemy would like nothing more to keep you down, to keep you wallowing in your own head. Some of y'all just need to get out of your own head this Christmas season. Just being honest, just get out of your own head. The enemy would like nothing more for you to just play games with God. Does he love me? He loves me not. You remember that game? He loves me, he loves me not. There's no dance with God. He loves you. The barometer of God's love does not go up and down based upon what you did during your day and how you thought during your day because if it did, you wouldn't be here right now. God's faithful. He's faithful. And he's building his body despite what the world is telling you and what the enemy is telling you. He's building his body. I've never felt stronger. He's building his body because he's coming back for a bride, not only that's without spot or blemish, but a, I told Missy, a tough bride, a, a strong bride, not a weak, emaciated bride, but a tough, a strong bride. Where are you at in that process? I'm talking about ready to go. We've been talking about over the last several weeks before we, we hit the December about crossing over into the promised land, not for weak people, but for people who are ready for battle to go, to go. That's what God's looking for. He's perusing and saying, are you ready? We just don't serve a weak Jesus. He's not weak. He's never been weak. And we have to get that perspective right because if we don't, we'll always look like God is not enough. For us. There's always a part of God that's not enough. He's just not perfect in that area. He can't relate to me there. And that's a lie from the enemy because God is relatable. He created you for a relationship. So how can he not be relatable? He knows you better than you know you. And so in this season, hopefully your perspective is changing to understand that God has pulled you from where you probably should have died and brought you through some stuff to get you where you are now so you can sing songs like, you're faithful. You can't sing songs like that if God hasn't pulled you from some stuff. That's why overcoming is such a huge issue in the body. If we can't overcome, we've got nothing to sing about. I'm gonna say it again. If you can't overcome, you have nothing to sing about. It's empty praise. The book of Micah, Chapter 5, verse 2 says, But you, Bethlehem, Ephrathah, though you are small among the clans of Judah, out of you will come for me one who will be ruler over Israel, whose origins are from old, from ancient times. It means that you can't go back and find his origin. So we're prophesying about a Jesus who has not come yet, but by faith have to believe that he's coming. That's what prophecy is. Prophecy is not fortune-telling. And the way you test whether or not a prophetic word comes to pass is simply 
did it come to pass? And when you look at all the prophecies that were fulfilled and, and talked about, about Jesus, he fulfilled all of them. And it's hard to talk about Jesus at times because you can't put into words the magnitude of who he is and try to pinpoint his origin because he always was. So if you're trying to get back to where God began, it's going to be a long time before you get there because there is no time frame in that. So just for the sheer fact that you can't trace God should cause you to throw your hands up in reverence and faith and say, whatever it is you have for me, I'll do. Because you know me better than I know myself. You created this thing. He made this up. We come to God with facades on rather than being real. And it's hard to come to God with facades on and not be real because how can God deal with the stuff that's faulty if you don't show it? And you know what that is for some of you with God. God has to go to work on you to get you to come out of your closets because we get so buried in. Remember when you were younger and we used to do this playing how to seek? The, the favorite place was in the closet. We would try to get behind the clothes, find a box, get behind somewhere so no one would see it. And inevitably someone would come in, I found them! And we'd be in the closet just sitting in there like sweating wondering when they were going to come in, but finally they got it. But, you know, you can get comfortable in there. It's almost, it's a false sense of security because your hope is, man, I hope nobody finds me. And I, that's some of the prevailing attitude in the body because you can get comfortable behind stuff and say to yourself, I hope no one reaches out to me and finds me because I'm comfortable here because you don't have to deal with anything. It's easier to hide than to deal. And you know how God is, God is so faithful, God flushes you out of hiding so he can deal with you. So it does us no good to hide. Adam and Eve tried it. And they sewed little fig leaves together to hide their private parts that God made. And I wonder how many people take things of little worth or value, and they try to put them over their private parts, the things that they don't want anybody to see, so that they don't have to face who they really are. But God is always calling out to his body and saying, come fellowship with me. I never called you to stay hid behind something. That's why what he did in the garden was so prophetic when he called out, where are you? From jump, he said, get out of hiding. But we've been trying to duck ever since. The world's been trying to duck. And Christians are great duckers. Great duckers. Trying to hide and trying to know, I don't have a problem with addiction. No, I don't have a problem with anxiety. No, I don't have a problem with alcohol. I don't have a problem. Can't put it down. I don't have unforgiveness in my heart. But every time that person comes up in your line of sight, you tighten up. Because you're still mad over something you had no control over. Or even if you did have control over, you're still mad at yourself for allowing you to put yourself in that situation. And so maybe the person you need to forgive is yourself. Are you waiting on an apology that may never come? And God's asking you to be free and not worry about the other person. Lord, I want to be free. I want you to be free, but you're still holding. What cards are you holding close to your chest? You know, some of y'all quote-unquote poker players, in the right way. You know you don't gamble. You just play for fun. 
you know the poker face. And sometimes it's hard to read because you got the poker face on. You got the glasses on and the cards are real close here. And it's a, you're not feeling anybody. Especially people who are free. They can point out poker faces. God can point out a poker face. Ever been in a situation with someone and you're in conversation with someone and they're telling you something and you're not, you don't believe a word they're saying because the Holy Spirit's giving you insight that this person is lying straight to your face. And you can see right in their face that they are lockstep in compromise. Why do we talk about freedom so much? It's God's heart to get you to be free. He didn't die for you to stay stuck and not live the life that he's called you to live. That's why prophecy is so important because it, it illuminates hope. The possibility of better. Jesus is coming. They needed that in the Old Testament. Adam and Eve messed it up. They needed that. Jesus is coming because Israel was jacked up. God takes them out of Egypt, takes them into the wilderness, then eventually takes them into the promised land. And you would think, man, what a great way to end the story. They take the land. But there's so many more books where they messed up. They got blessed, and basically they told God off and said, forget you, started erecting statues, worshiping false idols, and saying, this thing here is better than you. And God had to constantly take him to task, constantly bring him back into captivity, constantly whoop on him because they were not focusing on him. And they saw everything that he did. And we look at our own life, and we say, I do the same thing. How could God put up with them after all that he brought them through? And God constantly went after them. God's heart is constantly for you. Constantly ask you to come back in relationship with them. Come back in fellowship with me. Why? Because we have a tendency to want to hide and get stuck in our own self-centeredness, in our own shame, in what we're not quotes and can't fully be yourself and you know what I'm talking about I can't fully be myself with God why because I don't really think God loves the raw me because what happens a lot of times is we come to God in forms it's forms of godliness well it's a form so if I'm spiritual in this way then God will accept me if I come to God and I'm proper and I pray a certain way, God will accept me and God will accept my sacrifice. And God looks past all that and he says, I'm looking at the condition of your heart. Right now, you're upset and you're pissed. Let's deal with it. Because God is personal. And he'd rather be acquainted with the real you than have to try to break you free from all the stuff that's false, all the stuff that people put on you, expectations, the way you look at yourself, how you view other people. All this stuff is all the stuff that we, we wear that weighs us down, weighs us down. And God looks all past that and says, hey, listen, can we deal with your fear of man? Can we deal with this shame that you're still holding on here? Because I die so you can be free, but you're really not free. I know part of your breakthrough will come when you don't despise where you came from. I'm going to say it again. Part of your breakthrough will come when you don't despise where you came from. Because we try to erase the past. As a Christian, there's no canceling your past. We have to accept it, know that God 
can redeem it and move on. People say, I wish I can go back and do it different. Would you, though? Yeah, oh, I, oh, if I knew what I do now, but you didn't. So why would God allow you to go back? Because all it does is magnify his grace then. And you see him in a new light now. And thank God for everything you took you over and what he brought you through. You're a better version of yourself now than you were 10, 15 years ago. I would not go backwards if you paid me to go backwards. I cannot because of what God has done. I'm better now than what I was because I've seen more of God's grace. If I didn't see some of that stuff, I wouldn't be who I was today. You don't get to pick what you go through. You don't get to pick what God uses. For some people, it's financial distress. For others, it's abuse. Others, it's abandonment. You can just take your pick of the litter. You don't get to choose. I wish I was born in a different family. Really? It was God's grace that she set you in your family and then separated you from your family and did a work in you so that you could be all he's called you to be so that now you can minister to your family. There are things that God wants to use in you because of how you grew up to affect the world today. I don't despise where I came from. I'm grateful for the makeup and the DNA because of where God's calling me into. I'm not upset about it. Do I have to grieve certain things? Yes, but don't get stuck in the grief and throw a pity party because of how I grew up. The quicker I accept it, the more I can move in the grace of God and the more God can bless me in my life and not worry about the outcomes. The outcomes are what it was. We did stuff that was dumb. We did stuff that was stupid, but God's grace was still sufficient. Now, I don't do it now because I'm too wise and I realize the goodness of God. That's a prophecy. Here's a fulfillment. Next verse. When he had called together all the people, chief priests and teachers of the law, this is Herod speaking. He asked them where the Messiah was to be born. In Bethlehem and Judea, they replied, for this is what the prophet has written. But you, Bethlehem, the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah, for out of you will come a ruler who will shepherd my people, Israel. Big things come in small packages. Don't look at yourself as lower. Don't see yourself as inferior. And this is important for some of y'all to hear because some of y'all look at yourself as inferior and not worthy, and the enemy just sits on that button. Just sits on it, just holds it. And every time you try to get up and praise God and worship God for his goodness, there's still a little bit of uh, in you. And it's hard for you to receive and be free because there's a slight chance you think that God still doesn't love you completely. And that's a real thing. That's why the Bible talks about perfect love casting out fear. If you do fear, you haven't been made perfect in love, not perfect, mature, because fear involves torment. If you don't understand that you're loved, there's an element of torment and fear and anxiety that grips you, and you feel that if I make a move in the wrong direction, it's over for me. There's no chance. But I want you to think of all the things that you have done, but you're still here today. And how God has brought you through addiction, alcoholism, broke you free from it, and here you are today raising you up as a pillar in the church. And if God dealt with you then, he sure can deal with you now. If he loved you then, he sure can love you now.
And so that you could be strong in your faith and know who you are in Jesus Christ, it's made you who you are today. Just think about some of the stuff that God has delivered you from, and you'll be thankful for his grace, and you'll know that you've never been perfect, and you will never be perfect. That doesn't mean I don't try. It doesn't mean I don't work out my own salvation. It doesn't mean that I'm not in the perfecting process. The grace is there so that I can do what God has called me to do in the process. His love casts out fear, but at the same time, perfects me to become who he's called me to be. So when I walk, I walk in power, love, and self-discipline. Doesn't mean I don't falter. Doesn't mean I don't lash out. But it does mean that I'm being perfected. How can something be healed if it's not exposed? It's hard to know the condition of the body of Christ at large because most people drive by church and don't really get in because the condition of their soul, it's very difficult to measure sometimes because people are not really followers. It's more about convenience. If you tickle my ears and justify my actions, I'm good. But don't ask me to lay down my life for someone who I can't see and then in their mind ask them to do things that are not, quote, fun anymore. You know who those people are. It's not fun anymore to be a Christian. Well, when was it ever supposed to be fun? I never saw scripture. I've been reading it for a while. It's so fun to be on the hit list of hell every single day. It's fun. It's fun to doubt. It's fun to have my thoughts lacerated by lies. It is fun to stand when I'm getting pelted. It's fun. It is so fun when I'm being disciplined and chastised. It's fun. I don't see that. What I do see is persevere, endure, stand. What have you done all? Stand. When the process is over, you'll receive the crown of life. Don't say anything about getting it in the middle. We want participation trophies, but we don't participate. I want eternity, and I want salvation, but I don't want the walk. I don't want the narrow road. I don't want persecution, and I sure as don't want people to leave me. But you don't get the reward. What you get is an empty life. Because you're self-centered and all about you. And it becomes narcissistic sometimes with people because they become their own idols and their own ideology trumps who God is. I believe I'm better than God. So what I will do is I will dictate what I do with my life and where I go and how I do it. And what they don't realize is you are not dictating your life even now because the Bible says that he reigns on the just and unjust. You are not in control. You will never be in control. If there was anyone who could brag, it's Jesus. He didn't have to leave but he chose to come. Not in bright lights, not in glamour, but in a barn. Not the way that you would think a king would come, but the way that he wanted to come because he didn't have to prove himself. He wanted to show you, hey, I'm gonna walk it just like you do. Oh, come on. Just, I'm gonna walk it just like you did. I'm gonna be rejected. I'm gonna be despised. I'm gonna have sinners that I created change my dirty diaper. I'm gonna get in it with you, just so you know, so that when it's all said and done, and when I die for you, I'll be able to say with confidence that I can empathize and sympathize with your weakness because I was like you, yet without sin. So not only can I forgive you, but now I can empathize with you. There is not an excuse for distance between you and God. 
There's not an excuse. Well, God just doesn't get me. He gets you. He gets you. So what is it you're looking for during the season? And many people are looking for different things. Well, I'm looking for hope. And this is a cycle every year. It's a cycle. I hope this is the good one. I'm looking for the big gift this year. It's a cycle. It's a cycle. Here we go. And it becomes a seasonal thing that we do. And as Christians, we don't realize the whole year is the season for you. The whole year. The whole year is the season. I don't just get right in December. Because people do that. It's the twice a year. It's the C&E's. The Christmas and Easter, where they get right in December. It's the CD so they can pacify their conscience. Oh my God, I'm good. I'm good this month. Why? Because it's about Jesus and it's about the manger and it's about nativity scenes and the biggest one and the best one. Have you seen that one on fourth? And we think it's good and it's all about the glamour and the glitz. But do you know the baby? That's what we're interested in. Unwrapping the baby. Because that's the gift. That's the gift. What'd you get for Christmas? Jesus. That's what it's supposed to be at, right? Right? They brought frankincense, myrrh, all that incense. They brought that, right, to Jesus. But that was, it wasn't about that. He's the gift. They brought gifts to him. And eventually, the ultimate gift was his death on the cross. So why don't we talk about it? Why is it important? Because he's the good shepherd. This is what it's all about. Look at the book of John. Therefore, Jesus said again, very truly, I tell you, I am the gate for the sheep. All who have come before me are thieves and robbers. They're counterfeit. But the sheep have not listened to them. I am the gate. Whoever enters through me will be saved. They will come in and go out and find pasture. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. God's ultimate purpose is that you have life and have it to the full, not just life here, physical life, but the word actually means eternal life to the full. It's not about here, but there is so much life that God wants to give you. And so when you start believing the lies that my life is over, I've got nothing to live for, you step right into the enemy's trap and you fall short of the life that he died to give you. There is a hope as a Christian that you have not only here, but for eternity. You are living for eternity. You don't get that. You can't comprehend it. It doesn't end. It doesn't end. And so when you feel like there's no hope in this life, I've got nothing left, you are believing the wrong person. If nothing else, you should be excited about what you're going through in this life because it's preparing you for eternity. There should be something in your heart that stirs with the possibility of spending eternity with Jesus and not staying here. So this week, when the enemy comes up, and you know he's coming up this week to speak into you about how your life is not going anywhere. You're at a dead-end job. Your marriage is bad, all that stuff. you got to stand on the Word of God and know that he came to give me life and give me life to the full. Lord, if I'm not experiencing that, help me to start experiencing that life right now and change my perspective because I'm not living the rest of my life in torment. I'm not living the rest of my life in discouragement, and I'm sure not living the rest of my life in bondage to you because of how you think. So, Lord, free me from the expectations of man. Free me from myself so that I can see you as high and lifted up as the baby that actually came so that I can have life. So when you are tested and it's not giving you life, you know that's not for me. 
And I'm concerned in the body because what we do is when we hear messages like this about hope and freedom and peace, most people are not experiencing it. And so they don't shout. They're not excited about it because you're like, well, this is just the way it is. He said he's coming, but he hasn't come yet. So there's another rerun of The Grinch for the 18th time on TBS. I don't know how many more times I can watch Elf. There was an Elf marathon for 24 hours the other day. I don't know how many more times. Is Jesus coming or not? God, don't get me started on a Hallmark. I know some of y'all love it. Bless y'all. It's nostalgic. That's fine. But there's only so many times and ways people can fall in love during Christmas. Enjoy it. Have cocoa, whipped cream with the marshmallows. Have a great time with it. But in the end, what are we living for? If we're not living for Jesus, we are wasting our time. I'd rather be doing something else because it's too hard. If, if there's no hope because of how I'm living, I'm wasting my time. It's too much that people are going through and that you have to go through being a Christian for us to have no hope. So we should, above everyone else, have hope. It doesn't matter what you feel like is not happening in your life. I know it's hard sometimes. You've got to come to grips with it. I get it. But that hope, the Bible says, does not disappoint. So that has to supersede disappointment and failed expectation. It has to. Because if it doesn't, that means it's not the right hope. That's not the right hope. Don't talk to me about that hope if there's nothing that you're pushing past because that's not the hope Jesus gives. It doesn't disappoint. Or is it you haven't learned to persevere because that's where the hope that doesn't disappoint comes into play. Because when I persevere, it builds in me character. And as a result, I realize that I have a hope in Jesus because I learned to persevere. If I can't learn perseverance, I'm done. I have to know it. Why? Because Jesus modeled it. You're talking about 33 years of learning how to persevere, learning how to be like you. He wasn't like you. He had to learn. You understand that? You're talking about a God in that form, how to subject himself to the people that are created and to say, okay, teach me. Knowing who he was and without sin, and as he got older, fully knowing his purpose, knowing that eventually he was going to die to the cross and having to persevere in that time. And as it got closer, understanding what that meant, not just for the world, but for his relationship with him and his father. How that was going to be challenged. But if he said, nevertheless, not my will, but your will be done, that has to be our attitude. Because that's who we're supposed to be modeling. And if we can get that attitude, then we can understand we have a hope that doesn't disappoint. Until we get that attitude, we're going to be struggling. Because life is going to take it from you. Whether you realize it or not, you're going to lose stuff. Life's going to take it from you. This week, stuff's going to come at you. But do you have a hope that doesn't disappoint? And I'm talking about not feeling like you have hope. This has nothing to do with how you feel. Well, if I don't feel it, I don't have hope. Wrong answer. I don't have hope. I just thought, I don't, I, that's too much. You got to get yourself together. Know that there's nothing that's happening in your life that God hasn't given you the grace to deal with and wants to help you overcome. What more is there? The creator of the universe came down as a baby. Learn like you learned eventually died for you, now lives to make intercession for you, and every day gives you the grace to help you to move through stuff. And his mercies are new every single day.
and loves you in the process and is perfecting you in the process and is going to finish the process and one day present you to the Father. I did it, Dad. What makes that person different than this person? It's mindset. How come they got it and the other person did it? Mindset. The Bible says that God has no respecter of persons. He reigns on the just and the unjust. He's no respecter of persons, but you are his favorite. Grasp that. Well, I, just receive it. You're his favorite. And there are things inside of you that God wants to come out, but they don't come out unless you're pushed, unless you understand the value of perseverance and you can accept some elements of pressure in your life. Some people, when we sing the song Silent Night, I get mixed emotions because to me, the night wasn't silent because I know the warfare that was going on that night. The Son of Man was coming into the world. You know the enemy was swarming. She could have died at childbirth, but she didn't. Jesus was being born. It didn't matter who was coming, who was going. Jesus was going to be born. I'm here to tell you tonight, God will finish what he started. He will finish. You know, Jesus, you're walking with Jesus. You are on your way to heaven. No doubt. Bible says the spirit bears witness with your spirit. You're, you're on your way. It doesn't mean along the way, there's not going to be some trips. There's not going to be some fights. There's not going to be some land. You're going to have to take, you got to overcome some stuff. That's just the Bible. That's the Bible we have. Don't despise where you came from. Realize that in you, big things are in there. And God wants those things to come out. Why do you think there's such a fight in your life right now? Because there are big things. Destiny is inside of you right now. And God's saying, the fight is over your destiny. It was over his. Herod didn't have good intentions. There was no premise about him going to worship the baby. He wanted the baby dead. Big things come in small packages. Jesus was the ultimate gift. And most of everyone in here is saved and you have a relationship with Jesus. But I know that there are facets about him that God is trying to show you in this season. It's bigger than you think it is, Sharon. It's bigger than you think it is, Misty. Don't sell yourself short just because of your mindset of how you think you are or your view of how you think God looks at you. God said, I've got bigger things for you. Unwrap more than gift. Tap into it. The times of my life where I think, God, I'm at a high place. He goes, good, we're gonna go higher. I'm like, I don't know how much higher I can go. There's more. You need to learn. Come up higher. Lord, we thank you for the gift. Your son, you've been good to us when we at times have not been good to ourselves. Thank you for your grace has always been sufficient. Your love that has always seen us through, it's always helped us overcome. Lord, you know us better than we know ourselves. Thank you for your grace that keeps pushing us out. Keep telling us to stay out, be free, stay free in me, come deeper in me. Thank you that in this house, Lord, destinies are being drawn out. And that the enemy is fighting people over destiny, just like they fought you. 
We thank you, Lord, that we will overcome by the blood and the word of our testimony because, God, we know that you've been faithful to us and you will continue to be faithful. We know that the best is yet to come in our life and that we're not going to stop short just because of some bumps, just because of some bruises. Thank you for building your body, strengthening your body. Lord, helping us to stand in faith to persevere. Thank you, God, for the tools you've already given us to come against the enemy and know that he's already been defeated. He's already being scattered. Thank you, God, that we have the authority to do what you've called us to do because of the Spirit of God is living inside of us and that we will do greater things because the one who's in us is greater than the one who's in the world in Jesus' name.